0: I'll say that there, there was a season, 2016, maybe, where I didn't write any songs. Um, and I was kind of like worried. I was like, oh, you know, you go like a month or two. And like, okay, that's weird, but you know, whatever. And then it kept going, and I just felt paralyzed. And when 2017 rolled around, I was like, I've got to do something. And what I did was I said, hey, every morning, I'm just going to like take time to sit down with my guitar, no pressure to write a song, but just to make space. And I just said, okay, I'm going to do that every morning, at least five minutes. And if I'm bored after five minutes, I'll just stop and not do anything else. And like, as soon as I did that, I wrote a, I wrote a song.
1: Welcome to the Creative
2: Community Podcast presented by Destination Arate. I'm David. And I'm Mark. And as brothers, we grew up telling stories together for over 15 years. And as adults, we want to continue telling stories. And we want to invite you into our brother's brain trust.
1: We started uh, the Creative Community Podcast to share the beginning of our story, the stories that influenced us. If you go back and listen to the first couple episodes, you'll hear us talking about the stories that were important to us growing up and still are important now. But what, what else we're doing with the podcast, we're writing the future of our story together in real time. And it's just exciting to be here. We do that. We like to say by building a community of people who work together to find creative solutions to tell inspirational stories.
2: Yeah. And today we have someone on who is going to tell some incredibly inspirational stories, in my opinion. So today we are interviewing Andy Gullahorn. Andy Gullihorn is currently my favorite songwriter of all time. I love his music so much so. That I literally have to give it to myself as rewards for accomplishing tasks like I, I limit my listening of it because I don't want to I would just listen to it all the time so and I know that's not healthy we need balance so I reward myself every once in a while with an Andy Gullahorn song that is how much I am excited about this episode and how much I love this songwriter in this episode Andy joins us to talk about how he got into songwriting and performing music and spoiler alert his origin story involves a guitar that should be in the Country Music Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, that story. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. He, he also shares with us how he got out of a songwriting block that lasted an entire year. He admits to us he went a year without writing music, and he shares how he got out of that rut. And also, he shares the most important message he wants every one of his future songs to communicate. This episode has a lot of ambiance. You're going to hear crickets chirping in the background peacefully. This is a wonderfully mellow episode. Andy is a great, uh, a great
2: storyteller, so I hope you guys enjoy this one. Yeah, so without further ado, here's our interview with songwriter Andy Gullihorn.
0: Well, hello, I'm Andy Gullihorn, and I am I think, primarily a songwriter, uh, musician, who kind of over the years, stumbled into playing my own shows and making my own records and traveling around playing songs for people. Um, And I think, let's see, I've been a part of some other people's careers as well. My wife, her name is Jill Phillips. She's an artist and kind of started off playing guitar for her and writing songs for her. And early on in the career, I started playing for a guy named Andrew Peterson. And we've been part of a Christmas tour with a number of other artists called behold the lamb of God for the last 20 something years. Um, and recently, um, well, recently the most productive thing that I've done is I I moved my two older kids into college that that's really, I know I'm supposed to be a songwriter, but I felt like a property manager and moving company over the last month. But I, I think I did a good job of that. So, um, you know, I'm not switching careers or anything like that, but, uh, that's pretty much all I got done this last month.
1: Important things to do, though.
0: hmm
1: Does it feel like you should have two children in college? or? Uh,
0: yes and no. I mean, it feels like it's been a long time coming. And uh, in some ways, I feel old, like really old. Like my body feels old. Um, in some ways, I'm really immature. So that's, that's the way that it doesn't feel like I should have kids in college because like we had the same sense of humor. And I thought I would be old and wise before my kids went to college, but it didn't happen.
1: It snuck up on you. It did. Now, did you, were you writing for uh, your wife before you guys were together? Like, is that how you met? Or did you get together and then decide there was this hidden talent you kept hidden while you were dating? Or,
0: Well, I met Jill first day of class at Belmont University here in Nashville. And so we kind of – and sometimes people come to Belmont University – there are a lot of musicians that come to Belmont and some of them are like the the best in their small town. They all come to school there. I don't know if it's still this way, but there's certain kinds of people like from day one, they've got their guitar out on the lawn, they're playing songs for people and they're trying to do stuff like there's nothing wrong with that. But I was both not that ambitious and 2 didn't really believe in myself that much to be able to do that for anybody. So I kind of like I would just go into school and you know I wasn't telling people that I liked writing songs or that kind of I mean everybody likes writing songs at Belmont Uh, and Jill was kind of the same way she wasn't um you know she she was planning on going to school studying music and teaching music somewhere uh, in a school so neither one of us was uh ambitious or confident enough to kind of lead with our musical ability so we knew each other through class and through a freshman bible study that we were in together uh, and we're just good friends and then Uh, slowly uh, started to reveal that we both did our own things in music and and throughout the course of being at Belmont like I would play some showcases and she'd sing with me and she'd play some showcases I'd sing and play with her and um, so we were doing that while we were dating the whole time through college and um, then she started talking to a record label end of senior year before we got married and they actually asked us if we wanted to be a duo like a on a christian record label and i was like two questions one would we have to have a name like one heart or something like that and two will i have to wear makeup for the photo shoot and the answer was no to the first one yes to the second one and i was like yeah i will play guitar for jill and uh and she's a way better artist anyway so um so it kind of you know I guess technically she signed the record deal after we got married and summer after graduation. So our, our musical careers have kind of grown together uh, since I was 18 she was
2: 17. Wow. That's awesome. You, you hint at a similar scenario in your song, skinny jeans, um, kind of a similar idea there um, with the idea of not wanting to wear makeup. I think you even say, hand me your eyeliner pencil. So um, that's, I, that's awesome that that was your deciding factor. So,
0: I mean, I was a kid from Texas, and I'm like, I, I can't go back home and face my family if I'm, you know, heavily with a lot of makeup on some photo shoot or something like that. It's it's just, uh, you know, I'm yeah. not that cool. Right.
2: <laughs> well, um, that leads us into our first question because you said in the beginning you didn't really have the confidence to feel like you could, you know, kind of be that singer songwriter kind of person what was the moment cuz you do it now so what was the moment that you kind of were like no i'm i'm going to do this i'm going to i'm going to play songs my songs for other people to hear hmm.
0: well uh probably the answers there, there are like a number of moments it's kind of like yeah. gradually getting from one step to another uh, but one that well a couple that come to mind one is uh must have been after I mean, sometime in high school, so b- between junior and senior year, maybe or after senior year, we had uh Texas Boyd State, you know, which is like mock government kind of a thing, and uh I went and I remember I took my guitar with me because I was already writing songs at that point, but I didn't never played them for anybody, and they had a talent show at boyd State, and there's a tons i mean like tons and tons of guys and um they had a talent show and my roommate was like, Hey, you should you play guitar, you should try for the talent show. And I was like, Oh no, I can't do that. So I didn't do it, and then I went to the talent show and saw the people that, that played, and I was like, Oh, I can do that. I mean like like I I'm not saying I'm better than them, but I was like, I, I was just thinking like I couldn't do it. And and then I think that night we went back to we were divided into cities and our city went back and then they taught me into playing a song for them. And I did, and they all loved it. And I was like, Oh, that's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe at least I have, I'm above average or at least average. Right. So it's not going to be embarrassing for me to do it, but I, um, and then I would say that college, so being in college, trying out for, you know, these little showcases or whatever, and then doing it and then getting a good response. I was like, oh, I guess, um, you know, every, every encouraging word or somebody that said, hey, I really connect with this or, um, you know, uh, each one gave me a little bit more confidence. I think at this point, I'm 46. I feel confident that I have something to offer. And, and with my gifts, I still don't think that it's like, greater than somebody, what somebody else has to offer with their gifts, but I don't, I don't think it has to be. I don't think it's like a scarcity model. It's like, what I have to offer isn't for everybody, but for some people, it might be what they need. So uh, just over time, kind of stepping into, stepping into those places of being scared, like not knowing if, if this is gonna work or not. And then it works at some level. Um, you know, at some point I'm like, okay, well, I, I can at least trust that and temper my expectations that it doesn't have to be for everybody.
1: Mm, that's cool. I guess at what point did you realize that it's like, okay, it's, it's like you said, it's putting yourself out there, but then not having expectations for what comes back and knowing that some of this stuff that comes back is not going to fit me and I don't need to worry about it. But the other stuff that comes back, that is what I need to keep chasing after. Like, how did you kind of start to navigate that? Because I think sometimes we can put ourselves out there and we get some feedback and and it's like, you should never do this again. And then you think, well, this is the thing I love doing. What? How could I never do it again? You know, which it doesn't sound like you ever got. It sounds like people loved you from the beginning. So maybe that's a bad question to ask. But
0: no, well, I mean, I think there were. There's definitely. Um, the, at Belmont, they would have these, you know, showcase things that were like songwriter showcase. So people would audition for it, sit in a cassette, and then you make it past the first round, and you have like a live audition. And I think I tried out my sophomore year my freshman year there was a young writer named brad paisley in it which i'm glad i didn't try out that year but um but yes so i sophomore year i did it and then they have like they vote for like a winner from each show like writer showcase or whatever and they play the best of the best and so i won sophomore year i was like oh that gave me some confidence i won junior year gave me some confidence so senior year i was like all right this is in the bag and i sent my cassette you know um tape audition and i remember the day that um there was you know you found out if you make the next round there are a lot of people that are like oh hey did you hear back surely you're in it again surely you know whatever and i got the thing back and i didn't make it past the first round of uh, auditions and there were some comments on the the songs from industry people it was like you know you definitely shouldn't try to get a job as a songwriter i mean it's that kind of stuff and I was like, it was, that was really, I don't think it made me think I, I couldn't be a songwriter. Um, but it made me realize that I had a lot wrapped up in, I, I liked pretending like I didn't care, like it wasn't a big deal. And then when I felt that taken away, I was like, oh, I'm really wrapped up in this. And um, it was a real big humility check for me. Um, and Jill got in. So I played for Jill in the writer showcase. Um, but the, uh, yeah, that was a really big kind of check to my gut and kind of the beginning of, um, you know, I think the way to realize that there were things that I, I am made for and things that I'm not made for. Uh, the real way to do that was by failing, trying and failing, like thinking. And usually the places where I would try and I would fail are places where it was driven by this place of like wanting to be seen as more legitimate or wanting to be more successful in by some measure. Um, and not just being like, hey, I want to write the songs that I feel like I'm called to write and then see what happens with them. Whenever I kind of am in that river, um, I'll go wherever it takes me. But there are times where I kind of like swim over to the side and try to jump over to a different river and be like, hey, I, I wouldn't. I wish I was like you know, playing on these stages, or like, I wish I was played on the radio, or I wish I was making more money. Whenever I think about that, then I like, it just kind of slaps me in the face a little bit. So you get slapped in the face enough times that uh, you, you stop uh, getting out of the river as much, I guess, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, yeah, that is so good. Um, i that is really helpful I remember a pastor said one time he was like the the will of God for your life is actually found in your limitations like it's not found in your like you know the 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 abundance of just all of your gifts and all your it's actually you know like I told my students today my design students I was like I am not 6'6 I know I'm not supposed to be in the NBA like I like the will of God for my life is actually found in the fact that I am limited, you know, and it's great. It's a shut door. Like that's a Mm -hmm. clear, no, you know, so it's like, all right, we're going this way now, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so that is, that is so helpful. If you were to start, you're, you're a songwriter, you write a lot of songs and you've written a lot of songs. So I know your process may have looked different over the years, but if you were to start just like, I'm going to start writing a new song tomorrow, what would that process look like for you in those initial steps?
0: Well, I'm going to have to venture into the theoretical because uh, if it was that easy, then I would do it every day. <laughs> um, I mean, it starts with just, I'll say that there there was a season, I can't remember which year it was, 2016 maybe, where I didn't write any songs um, and I was kind of like worried. I was like, oh, You know, you go like a month or two and you're like, okay, that's weird, but you know, whatever. And then it kept going, and I just felt paralyzed. Um, And when 2017 rolled around, I was like, I've got to do something. And what I did was I said, hey, every morning I'm just going to, like, take time to sit down with my guitar, no pressure to write a song, but just to make space to enjoy playing the guitar or just see what happens, you know, five minutes. And I just said, okay, I'm going to do that every morning, at least five minutes. And if I'm bored after five minutes, I'll just stop and not do anything else. And like, as soon as I did that, I wrote a, I wrote a song and it was just, it was like, I was so caught up on like, oh, if I write another song, is it going to suck? Or am I going to be able to, am I going to like, not trying felt better than trying and failing. So eventually I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to like lower the expectations for myself and just sit down and make space for it. And as soon as I did, um, you know, I don't know the mechanics of, of what I did there but it just made space for it um so i guess that would be kind of an answer to your question the first thing i would do is just make space for it which you know it's harder than you think um there's there is a you know some people talk about the resistance um there there is a it's similar to me uh to contemplative prayer like whenever i do whenever i sit down and like do contemplative prayer, a centering prayer and meditate like that. It always, I always am grateful for whatever the experience is. I just, I just feel better, but the resistance to sitting down and doing it is so great. Even though I know that it's great for me and I love it every time. It's just like, it's like, it's like swimming upstream. Um, And sometimes writing can be that way. It's like, you know, maybe it's the fear of failure or, or, some underlying message you're like I don't know if I really have anything to say or you know whatever, so just sitting down kind of takes away that like oh I don't, you don't have to have something to say, you don't have to write something, but just create space for it. hmm that's probably the wrong answer, isn't it?
1: No, no, that's kidding. a great answer yeah. um so you took your guitar to college does I want to know like who it was that made you want to play guitar? Is this a you got this from your parents is this a heard it on the radio, found a record somewhere. Like what's, I know you're not quite old enough to know what records are, but. Um, I know. did
0: buy records when I was young. <laughs> okay. Okay. Believe it or not.
1: I know you're at least 20 cause you have kids in college. So. Yes, that's true. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> at least 20. I'm a 22 year old with an 18 year old. That's yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> It's a miracle.
0: Yeah. Um, well, okay. It's a really weird story, but here goes. I don't, I don't talk about it that much, but i played piano when i was younger from like three to twelve um just you know i took lessons i guess and i i had an aptitude for playing by ear or whatever i say that as a, a that's a really rare thing right and um so i played piano quit playing piano because i wanted to be in the nba you know before i learned my limitations as we all do. and um and then I got really into, I was really into country music, growing up in Texas and I loved Garth Brooks. I loved the songs that Garth Brooks would record. And I remember sitting in my room and just listening to those records and studying the songs and studying the song structure, which I loved. And, um, and I taught my whole family into being Garth Brooks fans. And we went to a concert when I was, a, I think I was a freshman in high school. And, uh, it was a benefit concert for Austin city limits and, uh, Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood were playing maybe Kathy Matea. And my, I was sitting back at this table and my little brother was in the front row and he was shouting out like requests to Garth, my little brother is like way more extroverted than I am. And cause I was like, I'm, I was like the big fan, but I'm sitting back. I don't want to go up front. And he was in the front row and I was just getting annoyed by it. And then at some point Gar says, Hey partner, come here. And I watched my brother jump up on stage and he gave his guitar to my little brother. And it was the first guitar that he ever gave away. It was like in his first couple of videos and it was in, he's was inducted into the Grand Ole Opry with that guitar, all this kind of stuff. And uh, so then my brother met him afterwards and it was like this big deal. And they, uh, i think my parents got a call from the country music hall of fame saying hey can we display the guitar here my mom was like no i believe god gave us this guitar for a reason it's not to like sit on a wall somewhere so she got my brother some guitar lessons and it didn't take i think he sucked at it so uh then i was just like hey can i can i try and the rule was that you could only play garth brooks songs. so um i just kind of taught myself every garth brooks song in like two weeks and then then I could go on to like his influences like James Taylor and Dan Fogelberg and that kind of stuff. Um, so kind of like all the piano stuff, kind of the musical knowledge, not that I didn't really know theory very well, but I had an ear for music. And then once this guitar kind of came into my life, it was like, Oh, I think I can do this. And it, I learned pretty quickly. I mean, it's not hard to learn bass you know, the basic chords, but I, I learned it. I didn't know what the chords were named or anything. It was just me sitting in a room by myself picking out Garth Brooks songs. And then it wasn't long after that, after I could play cover country songs that it occurred to me, I was like, Hey, I think I, I know these chords. I might be able to just write my own songs. It was like this one day I was like, Oh, I think I, I can put chords with my own words. And I've been studying song structure. I studying just like listening to it and really paying attention. And uh, so that's how, that's how I started playing guitar in high school. It's, it's Garth Brooks' fault.
2: That's incredible. Yeah. The, it's weird. That is amazing. I'm super curious. You said that you started studying, you would listen to the Garth Brooks records and you would study their structure. Mm. That is something that most people do not do when they listen to music. When you say, I would study their structure, what do you mean by that?
0: Well, I think I'd pay attention to how people told a story like especially if there was a song that I could you know there could be a song that's catchy or that I like the story but then some songs would kind of like grab a hold of me right and like I, I would find myself inside of them and I was like I would just pay attention to um it wasn't like I was sitting there writing out oh this is a b a b rhyme structure but that is registering it's kind of like oh this is this is how the phrases work in this song this is what are the parts that really draw me in and how do they move me from here to here by the end of the song? How do they look at the chorus from different angles each time they get to the chorus? Um, so I was paying attention to that. And the more I paid attention to it, the more I would notice uh, different things. I would say me studying the song structure is a lot less musical um, than it was just kind of lyric and traditional song structure. So um, I'm kind of a mathematical person. So the structure part, really that side of songwriting more than kind of like an abstract artistic kind of thing really stood out to me. I, I would just kind of latch on to how, you know, you talk about limitations uh, being an indication as to like what God's will is for us. To me, some people when they think song structure, they think it's limiting. Um, and it's too mathematical and it kind of takes the inspiration out of the song. But to me, having that structure and those limits, it's like, you can do using that structure. form, And I think it's the reason why it's a form that's used a lot is because it communicates well. It, it's a gift to the listener. And when it's a gift to the listener, you're not trying to make it hard for them to understand. You're giving it to them in a way that's easy for them to digest. And you can really pack some amazing things in there. So, you know, that's kind of when I talk about. Looking at song structure, It's it's all of that. It's like looking at. I don't know, just, just the way the songs were built and how it moves me.
1: Yeah, wow. I do want to ask you that last question that, that we uh, sent you ahead of time, which is um, you, you are, it's evident from listening to your songs that you have something you want the listener to, to, to walk away with. Um, but I, we're curious to know, like, is there something in your mind for all of your future songs that you were to sit down and write that you would hope that someone would be able to take away after they're done listening?
0: you don't know if it's just one thing, but my personality is, um, I'm a peacemaker at heart. So that, that always kind of factors into what I'm writing. I, I can't not let it factor into what I'm writing. And so that comes out as sometimes letting people know that they're not alone. Um, letting people know that, um, Whatever it is that they're experiencing, however dark or whatever, it's not outside the bounds of the normal human experience. Um, and there's also a part of me that's, that's, as a peacemaker, I love seeing two sides to everything. So I kind of like trying to um, present one side or speak in a language where somebody thinks I'm right where they are. And then, uh, by the end of the song, like get them to trust me. And then by the end of the song, um, move them to a different place. But, but really that's more for me. Like I try to do that for myself. So it's, that comes from trying to understand certain things in the world and kind of like, maybe if I can, I don't know, if I can move from one place to another, maybe somebody else can move there with me. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I I I assume that's kind of like the structure of the song Nowhere to Be Found where you bring us through tragedy where God isn't there and then all of a sudden you bring us to the resurrection with with the empty tomb where he wasn't there and that was the point. The point is that he's not there. I assume mm-hmm. that's kind of what you mean where bringing getting people to trust you and then kind of flipping things on their head. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's I mean that that's a a a good example of um even for me it's it's kind of like every chorus of that song is like i expected god to be there it felt like he wasn't there so one is is just to be able to say that and not feel bad about saying that it's like you were you were nowhere to be found and then like at the end yeah nowhere to be found in the tomb it's kind of like in a time of in a song with a lot of doubt sometimes the greatest faith statement that I can say is like that the resurrection happened, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's all I could say It's like, it still feels like you're nowhere, but like, that's not outside the bounds of like what Christian life is supposed to be. Um, you know, I don't know if I actually accomplished that, but, but that's what I'm trying to do. And it's really for myself to, to kind of like make peace with the doubts and the questions and the anger and, you know, all the above.
1: It's kind of like what you said at the beginning if if I'm going through this then maybe there's someone else out there that that this could resonate with and um that could benefit from it because yeah, I like to think of it a, a people ask me about you, or, you know, and I'm like, well, he just says the quiet parts out loud and mm-hmm. um, and that's usually what his songs do
2: when you're when you're listening. You're like, "Oh, did you have to say that?"
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's a really big compliment. I'll take that.
2: Yeah. Cuz because for me, when I, I listen to your music, I discovered it through Andrew Peterson's book. Um, he talks about your song, I Haven't Either, as the Sneaking Past People's Watchful Dragons example in his book. And so I was like, man, I got I to look up this guy. So I started listening to your music and I was like, all right, all right. And then I listened to Dad Like Mine and I literally broke. Like I broke yeah. inside and I because w- I had never been able to tell my dad. why it is that I loved him so much Mm -hmm. until that song. And then I sent that song to him and I was like, Dad, this is the only way I can say it. This is a song right here. And I Mm -hmm. use, you know, so it was the first time that I had ever felt like someone was writing Christian music for me, like for my temperament, for who I am, for the way God made me. I love Mm -hmm. Christian music and I love what it says and I love being able to worship corporately with songs. But I was like, someone wrote this song like about like about me about for me you know so I just Ooh. want to thank you for that Andy that was well thanks for saying such that such a blessing what an honor
0: what an honor that's like the best uh, I think any writer can hope for that it would connect with somebody on that level
2: yeah well it did you you hit the bullseye thank you thank <laughs> you with me <laughs> thank so, you yeah
1: well huh. thank thank you so much for coming on um tell people where they can you know follow you and and I'm I'm assuming you're on all the streaming platforms I know you're on the one that I use so. If there's one you want people to use, now's the time, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, I
0: don't care. I, I never even check it. So I have no clue um, if anybody's even listening out there. But, uh, yeah, it's on the streaming stuff. You know, if you search any social media, it's like just under Andy Gullihorn. There, there aren't a whole lot of people uh, fighting for the Gullihorn name on social media. So uh, easy to find. I don't. I'm notoriously bad about posting a lot, Um, and sometimes I feel bad about that, but usually I don't because it's, it's, I just think it's way more fun to live life, Um, and even where I forget to, like, post shows that I have, so I'm I'm pretty bad about that, you know, I'll go to a town and be like, oh, yeah, I just played in your city last week, I forgot to tell you, Um, but um, but yeah, and then, like, Andy at AndyGullihorn.com, people want to, like, reach out and, you know, have uh, some shows or something like that, they just email me. I don't have people never have. It's just it's just me.
2: You also have a Patreon, too, don't you?
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot. Thank you. I do have a Patreon. I I started it uh, maybe a little over maybe a year and a half ago. And it was um, people had been encouraging me to do that. But I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know the pressure of like recording new songs and, you know, having something all the time. So what I did instead, there's so many songs that I write that I don't ever record or ha- I have written in the past or that I write for other artists or whatever. And so it's kind of more, whenever I write a song, I record it, post a, a video of it just for the Patreon supporters. And so it's kind of like all the songs I've written in the last two years were actually longer than that because I would go back and do other songs. It's like, I'm posting them as I write them. And I mean, it's pretty bare bones. It's just being a guitar on a YouTube video. Um, and then we have, uh, some, uh, Gullah patron happy hours where we all get on zoom. I, I had these other happy hours I do on Facebook and Instagram, but I can't see the people. So what I love about the Patreon ones, we do it on zoom so we can see each other. And actually those, I don't play a whole lot of music. I'm, I'm, uh, running some games Like we will play <laughs> different games on, on zoom. Cause it's, it's just a fun community of people. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, Thanks for reminding me about Patreon.
2: Once again, thank you so much to Andy for joining us on the podcast this week. It was so fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, If you want to follow Andy on Instagram, you can follow him at Andy Gullahorn, all one word, and Gullahorn is G-U-L-L-A-H-O-R-N. So like Gullahorn, right? Combined. So you can tell him the Creative Community Podcast sent you if you ever connect with him, but be sure to join his Patreon. He has... Uh, incredibly affordable subscription options um, for that. And then you get access to, like he said, his songwriting and uh, songs that he's just performing behind the scenes in an attic or in you know his backyard with a guitar. So it's incredible content.
1: Yeah. After you've subscribed to all those things, be sure to follow the creative community podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. follow us on YouTube. We post full episodes for free on YouTube. And you get to see these people, these amazing people that we're talking to. Um, So yeah, leave us a review or a comment on the episode with what you thought was the most beneficial part uh, that helps the algorithm know what you liked about it, helps us know what you liked about it. And then speaking of the algorithm, if you know someone out there who would benefit from what Andy had to say today, uh, please send this episode to them. We would really appreciate it. And we know that uh, if it was encouraging to you, we know that whoever you're thinking of when when they come to your mind, they'll be encouraged by it too
2: yeah thank you for listening this far if you've made it i'm going to reward you by giving you the one minute version of the last bit of the podcast instagram facebook newsletter those three things subscribe goodbye
1: <laughs> we'll see you in two weeks another episode there you go <laughs>